Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. Through the middle of the street of the city, also, on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Blessed are those who wash their robes, so that they might have the right to the tree of life, and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers, and the sexually immoral, and murderers and idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his tree in his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, where, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus with all. Amen. We have been studying the last book of the Bible, uh, Revelation, all semester tonight. We've come not only to the end of the study of Revelation, but actually the last words in the Bible. And my guess is, as we come to the end, that tonight, um, some of y'all are here and you think, I'm not really sure about this, the whole Jesus thing. I don't know where I land with that. And um, you're asking yourself, okay, I've been listening to this stuff. Does this mean anything for me? Like, is there any part of me that is interested um, in Jesus at all? And you're trying to figure out where you are in that. And most of you that are here that would make the time to do this on a Wednesday night are people that say, I believe in Jesus. I'm interested in Jesus. I want to grow in Jesus. But there's this disconnect. Um, Because for most of us, Jesus doesn't really feel as real to us as we think that he should. Right? Um, Like, it's supposed to be all this, like, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, all these things. But, like, most days, my situation with Jesus is just, like, going to class and the drama of relationships and sort of the monotony of the day-to-day. And that stuff is what sort of takes my life and not this relationship with Jesus. Um, And wherever you are tonight, whichever of those camps that you fall into, um, the book of Revelation... We've seen, as we've seen all semester, is here to reveal things to us. Namely to reveal Jesus to us, but also to reveal the world, how it really is, how it really functions, who we really are. And the words that Jack just read from Revelation chapter 22 are God's last words to you. And actually God's last words in the Bible to everyone. And the, the words that he wants to be ringing in your ears as you finish the Bible... Um, the images that he wants to be stuck in your mind as you leave are of a future in which there is a tree and there is a river. And that might sound like a little bit of anticlimactic, 
But what I want to do is, is look together at why this river and this tree are the thing that you've always been hoping for. Okay? So why the river? Why does God want to leave you with this vision of a future with a river? Look at the passage on your sheet. Right at the very beginning, it says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Um, on Kendrick Lamar's, la- not uh, Pimp a Butterfly, but the one before, while we're on it, um, on Good Kid Mad City, there is a song, there's actually two songs put together. It's uh, Sing About Me and I'm Dying of Thirst, and Charlie Leonard and me are on the same page about this Kendrick Lamar song right now. And um, there's a skit throughout that song, if you've never heard it, and basically it's um, two young African-American men, and one of their friends has just been shot and killed, and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do, and they're sort of getting a plan together, talking on the phone, we're going to go find this guy, you know, they have a gun. And at the end of the song, an older woman comes up to them, and she says, young man, come talk to me. Is that what I think it is? That better not be what I think it is because they, they have a gun. And she says something really interesting. She says, why are you so angry? See, you young men are dying of thirst. Uh, do you know what that means? That means you need water, holy water. You need to be baptized with the Spirit of the Lord. And there's this beautiful exchange where she actually walks these young men through becoming believers in Jesus. It's, it's really beautiful. But what she is saying to them is that they are angry because they are dying of thirst. They are thirsty in their soul, in their heart, for God. And my question for you is, what if the reason why you are angry tonight, or you are resentful tonight, or you are depressed, or numb, or scared, is because you're actually thirsty. Because you're dying of thirst. The Apostle John, who wrote the book of Revelation, he also wrote um, the Gospel of John, a story of Jesus' life. And he records this story in there in John chapter 4 about a woman, um, a, a woman of Samaria that comes and talks with Jesus. Jesus is sitting by himself by a well, literally in the middle of nowhere, in the desert, all alone, and he's thirsty. And this woman comes, he doesn't have anything to dip down into the well to get water out with. And this woman comes and talks to him, and um, he speaks to her. And at first she's amazed because Jewish people don't speak to Samaritan people. They, they, they're angry with each other. They don't like each other. And men definitely don't talk to strange women. Yet Jesus speaks to her, and uh, he asks her for a drink. And um, when she's sort of amazed that he speaks to her, he says, Look, if you knew who was asking you for a drink right now, like if you had any idea who you were talking to, you would ask me for water that would make you never, ever thirsty again. And and she gets interested. She's been talking with him. And he says, look, this water that you're drinking out of this well, you're going to drink it, and then you have to come back here tomorrow because you're going to be thirsty again. But I can give you water that will make you never thirst again. And actually, if you believe in me and trust in me, it will, I will spring up within you and streams of living water will flow out of you. And so she gets really interested. And she goes, yes, I want this water. And he goes... Okay, cool. Hey, go get your husband and bring him back here. And that's a really awkward question for her because she says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus, because he knows, he says, yeah, you've actually had five husbands and the man that you're living with now isn't your husband. And essentially what he's saying to this woman is this. You are thirsty 
and you need a drink of water. The reason why you have had five husbands and the reason why you are actually living with a man now who will not commit to you is because you are so thirsty that you're trying to grab water, something to drink from wherever you can get it. And it's never, this well that you're trying to to drink from is never going to satisfy you. I grew up in middle Georgia. Um, You probably didn't, which is a shame. Um, But I played football up till third grade. I retired from football in third grade. And and, uh, when I would go to to football practice, you know, it was Georgia. it's, It's like 100 degrees minimum. And we would just be pouring sweat, and then we would take a break, and we would all go over and grab our water bottle. See, but most kids, they had water in the water bottle. But my mom was very loving and kind. She knew that I didn't prefer water, so she would fill my water bottle up with sweet tea. <laughs> um, which at first is amazing, because you're like, oh, you suckers got water. The problem with sweet tea is it actually does not hydrate you. Uh, it's actually a diuretic. Actually, if, I, if you drink water, it makes you more dehydrated. Um, and that might be why I retired from football in, in third grade, because I was so dehydrated. Also, sidebar, my team, Citizens Bank third grade team, <laughs> scored zero points in every single game of that season. Um, which is... Which is like, it's better than just losing all the games because then you have something to like, at least be proud of. Um, but I would come off the field and I was literally gulping down something that could never satisfy my thirst at all. And in fact, was just making me more and more thirsty. And this is going to be a hard swerve. Sometimes I write these things and I don't realize it's a transition here, but whatever. When you send that 1 a.m. text... Um, that's like, hey, you up? <laughs> um, you, have you watched Stranger Things yet? You want to you wanna hang out? I'm in cone 226. Um, in all seriousness, when you send that 1 a.m. text, do you realize that like, you are like gasping for water? Um, You are desperately trying to get a drink of something that is going to quench a thirst within you that you can't quite put your finger on. Um, And then when it it happens, when you get it, a couple of days later, it's another 1 a.m. text. Or, in all seriousness, this is the same as when, when you cut yourself because the physical pain is such a release from the emotional pain that you're feeling. You know and I know that that is a well that cannot satisfy you. It provides a momentary release that makes the thirst worse. Um, and, you, you know, like, the reason why you get so hungover is because you're actually, like, physically dehydrated. Um, because alcohol is also a diuretic. And, um, look, alcohol is a beautiful, wonderful gift from God. I'm hoping to take my interns out for a beer after this to celebrate that we finished large group. It's a wonderful, beautiful thing. I don't know why I said that. Don't call me after this. Um, but if you go to alcohol and drink and drink and drink because you're thirsty for friends or because you're thirsty for just to get in that place where you don't have inhibitions anymore and you're your cool self, um, there's going to be a nasty headache in the morning because you are dying of thirst. Like, do you, do you feel that? Um, 
And to a world that is dying of thirst, God comes to us and in his last words he goes, one day there will be a river that is pure and clear and clean. It's like crystal. And if you drink from this river, you will never ever thirst again. And that thing that you are thirsty in that place that you can't quite identify, you won't have to go looking for it anymore. It will be completely satisfied. And look, look at verse 17. It's completely for free. The pastor says, The Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Jesus sat next to a well in the middle of the desert and was thirsty so that a woman could come and he could tell her how she could quench her thirst. Jesus goes to the cross and one of the few things that he says on the cross is, I'm thirsty. And he receives no water, nothing to quench his thirst. And he goes and he's thirsty for us so that he could open forth for you the river of the water of life and that you could take it without price. He promises the river because you're dying of thirst. Okay, so that's why the river. Why the tree? Okay, you see see in the passage there, um, it says in verse 2 that the the river is flowing through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, which I'm not sure how a tree is on two sides of a river, but that's what it is, is the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit yielding its fruit each month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. The tree is there because you long to do something that matters. Do you feel that? Like you're in college and you want to do something that really matters. And that's why God is promising the tree to you. I'll show you why. The tree of life is literally only mentioned in the first three chapters of the Bible. And at the very, very end of the Bible. In the last, um, in Revelation 22. Um, When God first made people, Adam and Eve, he put them in a garden. It's amazing because there was a river flowing through there, a big, beautiful river. And there was a tree, the tree of life, right in the middle of it. And what God's people would do, Adam and Eve, is they would come and they would eat of this tree. And what it gave them was eternal life with God. As long as they eat of this tree, they live forever in a perfect community, a perfect relationship with God. And their whole job, when you think about like, why do people exist in the first place? Like, God wasn't lonely. He was with himself, Father, Son, and Spirit, in a perfect community. Why did he create people? He created people to um, have dominion over his earth. Literally, he says, go make babies, fill the earth, and subdue it and have dominion over that. What that means is that people are the resident managers of the earth. Okay? So they're literally supposed to enjoy the earth and allow the earth to become more and more beautiful and pleasant and bountiful. Okay, that's human beings' jobs. But when they rebelled against God, something really difficult happened, which is they came under a curse. What that means is this. God says, look, when you go into the garden now and you try to work it and you try to bring forth the fruit, it's going to be filled with like thorns and rocks. It's going to be really difficult for you to get anything done. Um, the world became, in that moment, under the curse, complicated. This is like, um, you know like when you're like, you start dating someone that's in your friend group? And at first it's amazing. Because you're like, man, last time I dated somebody I had to like choose between my friends and this person. But now, 
Like, it's just a big chill fest. I just hang with my, 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 my BF, my GF, and I hang out with my friends, okay? It's great. It's beautiful. It's like the least complicated thing ever until you break up. <clears throat> and then suddenly your life, like, literally nothing is easy or natural about your friend situation at all anymore. Um, literally, it feels like you're under a curse relationally. Um, your, comp- your relationship with those people becomes complicated. Our relationship with the earth has become complicated, futile. How many times have you been working on an assignment or you've been relating with a friend or a girlfriend or boyfriend and you've asked, literally, what's the point? Like, I've tried and it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I do. Um, especially those of you that are like sort of passionate about justice and mercy and these are things that sort of drive you um how many times have you asked maybe especially in the last couple weeks um will anything that i do ever make any difference in the world at all like there is a sense of futility it's like even if your snapchat story is flawless today (laughs) um like you have to do it again tomorrow right like you can't just bring over this my understanding is you can't take the same snapchat story to tomorrow right okay Um, you're going to have to do it tomorrow. The world and you are struggling through futility and complication and things are hard. And to a world that is struggling through that frustration of living under a curse, God gives us a vision of the tree of life where he goes, you know what? In the end, you're going to be restored to living in a world and having a purpose where things aren't futile and difficult and complicated and frustrating for you. People always want to know, what am I going to do forever after Jesus comes back? Like what? Because I hear there's supposed to be like a lot of singing. And like, to be honest, that sounds boring after a while. Um, you will exercise your creative potential without disappointment or complication. Um, You will live on the earth with purpose. And I don't know exactly what that's going to look like. I do know a couple things. I do know that pastors, counselors, funeral directors, soldiers, and people in a lot of fields should take a hobby now because we won't have a, like, literally our positions are going to be phased out in the future. Like, you won't need me to tell you about Jesus because you'll be like, he's just right there. We're good. But I do know this. There will be music and art and cooking and building and gardening and sports in a world that is much more physical than the one we live in now. And when you do it, it will be a delight to you. I'll tell you one of the glimpses I get of this. Uh, I live with a person who attends the world aesthetically. Okay? Like Like the way that she, that my wife sort of functions within the world is aesthetics first. Like, every girl in the room is suddenly horrified. I just realized as I was saying that. Um, <clears throat> my wife's eye is constantly looking for how she can make a situation more beautiful aesthetically. Does that make sense? She's a designer. And, like, um, when she spaces out at church and I look down, she's, like, literally sketching a redesign of, this, of the sanctuary that we're in. Like, this is kind of ugly, you know, like, this could be a lot better. Um, she has Pinterest boards that are full of just, like, entryways. And it's, like, one of the things is just rugs. Like, rugs, thousands of pens, um, paint swatches, built-in bookshelves. And it took, it's taken me a long time because at first I thought, you know what she's doing? 
And she's going like, if I can just get my situation perfect, then everything's going to be okay and I'm going to have purpose in the world. Okay, that's what I used to think for like a long time. And I was like, that is a dumb idol. And like, it's going to not satisfy you, right? And she lived with me patiently through all that time. But what I've learned over time is that what is actually being said in her heart is, there is so much beauty in the world. And I really just want to be part of like drawing it out more and more. Um, because the more you cultivate beauty, the more beauty springs forth in the world. That's how the world is supposed to work. Um, and Jesus is bringing you back to the tree of life to restore your purpose in the world, which is to bring more beauty and to enjoy God and to enjoy your neighbor through it. But look at verse 2 again. It says that the, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Um, God is going to heal the world. Race, guns, terrorism, poverty, sexual assault, gender confusion, gossip, exclusion, loneliness, cancer, just feeling like... The tree, its leaves, are to heal all that stuff. That there's literally not going to be a place that Jesus isn't going to bring blessing into the world. Literally, as the Christmas song says, as far as the curse is found is where Jesus comes to make his blessings known. And my question for you is, how could you invite someone into that satisfaction and purposeful life? Uh, if you have friends that are passionate about healing the world and justice and like stopping oppression and they don't know Jesus, um, you've got to help them see what he wants to do. Like, he wants to make literally everything right. Brokenness healed. Families healed. Bodies healed. Friendships healed. Healed relationships between people groups. No more guys sitting down for a Bible study in Charleston, South Carolina, with a bunch of beautiful Christians, and at the end of the Bible study, standing up and murdering them. Beautiful brothers and sisters in Jesus because they're black. He is coming to heal that. No more siege of Mosul. No more sex trade. No more standing naked in front of somebody and looking on their face and realizing they're not going to talk to me again after this. Um, and God is calling you in this passage to long for that with Him. To pray for it to come. To begin to break that into your relationships even now and to share that longing and hope for the world. And with the world. Because look. Look at verse 14. Anybody can come. Blessed are those who wash their robes. So that they may have the right to the tree of life. That they may enter the city by the gates. The pastor says nothing will be accursed in that place. There will be no curse. And the reason why is because Jesus was cursed. Galatians chapter 3 the Apostle Paul says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Nothing will be a curse in the new heavens and new earth because there will be no curse because Jesus already took the curse. And he took it far away. And he is now saying, Look, you're free. I don't, do you feel free to like look forward to the future? Like, is that something that like, feels like free for you and happy like to joyfully look to what's going to come? Jesus says that you can long for a life where you're satisfied and your longings are met. But look, as we bring this whole thing down, this whole semester down, we've been looking at Revelation. Um, 
you might be thinking, because sometimes I think this, and by sometimes I mean a lot of the time, this sounds nice, but like, maybe it just sounds nice. Like, maybe it's just a way to like make it through the day. Maybe it's just a way to deal with your own mediocrity. How do I know that it's just not a nice story? Um, and what I want to give you in response to that is that you can know it's not just a nice story because Jesus isn't just promising you this stuff. Jesus is promising you himself. Um, look, look in, in verse 4 and 5. We're bringing this thing down. It says, look, they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. What, what Jesus wants us to see through the book of Revelation, this is the big takeaway, that the thing, the reason, the thing that you're thirsting for and the future that you're longing for are Jesus. C.S. Lewis gets at that longing and he uses this German word called sinsucht. And he says that word is the inconsolable longing in the human heart for we know not what. Um, God himself and being with God and seeing Jesus face to face is what will satisfy all of your longings. Um, and when you experience a moment of joy or beauty, like when you go home and like Thanksgiving actually was really good and you thought it was going to be really bad, um, or like your wedding day, or graduation day, or the first day that you showed up to college and you left your parents' house, or like the first moment after your last exam is over, or the end of a first date with someone you actually like, like no sooner has that moment come that you really look forward to than you realize that wasn't it. Like, I'm still thirsty. Like, I still am longing for something. That wasn't. That actually just reminds me that I have a deeper longing that's not being met. And C.S. Lewis says this, they are not the thing itself. They are only the scent of a flower we have not found, the echo of a tune we have not heard, news from a country we have never yet visited. Because the thing that you're longing for and what all those beautiful, joyful moments remind you is that you're only going to be satisfied deeply when you see Jesus face to face. And when you stand before him and you are completely naked and vulnerable and there is no hint on his face whatsoever that he is going to reject you. And he looks at you with those eyes. You know when someone looks at you and like you can tell they know, right? When he looks at you with those eyes that see all the way down, all the way to the bottom, and then he smiles, then you will know that is it. I, what I was thirsty for was Jesus. What I was longing for was Jesus. The beauty and the purpose and the goodness that I wanted was Jesus. And right now, it's basically like, yeah, I know Jesus loves me, but like, what good is that if like no boy notices me at all? Um, like, I know I'm God's child and I'm like going to get to live with him forever, but what good is that if my anxiety doesn't go away? Or like, what if I don't get into nursing school or I'm not engaged by 25? If I can't lose 10 pounds, if Donald Trump wins the presidential election, if I don't graduate on time, like, what does it matter then? And Jesus would say, you actually don't know. Like, you think you know, but you don't yet know. You know in the way that, like, 
if you've never tasted honey, you could know that it's sweet. And like, you know the truth, because honey is sweet. Jonathan Edwards said this. He said, look, you, you can know that honey is sweet without ever having tasted it, and you know the truth. Um, but you don't know honey until you've tasted it. You can't long for honey until you've tasted it. Um, it has not become sensible to you and become something that you could possibly long for its taste. And God ends the Bible basically by saying, look, look at verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. He's coming soon and you will be able to taste and see um, that he is good. And our response, amen. Come Lord Jesus. Uh, Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much um, that you don't just leave us with our deep longings, but you come to meet them. And um, would you help us to know that the things that we are, are seeking after cannot satisfy us. But there's really, really good news, which is that you can satisfy us, and you will, and you're starting now. Um, would you help teach us how to long for you, we pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen. It's the end.